I remember a particular trip that I was taking a few years back that actually I was here in Cape Girardeau helping to play organ for a mass at St. Mary's. And after that mass, it was evening and I had to go back to Kendrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis for class the next day. And so I got into my car and I started off on the journey going up I-55. And while I was going along the way, it seemed normal, at least for a while, until something happened. All of a sudden, the lights started to dim, the alternator light came on, and the temperature needles started shooting up very quickly. And I realized something was wrong. Then I'm not a mechanic by nature, but I knew exactly what had happened, that the drive belt had failed, and all of a sudden, I was going to find myself coming to a stop. And so I pulled over to the side of the road and immediately I started to go through my options. What can I do? How am I going to fix this? How am I going to get back to the seminary? It was late, I could look at the problem, but I couldn't really fix it. But I knew someone who could. So it was 10.30 at night, I knew it was late, and so I called my dad. Now I knew that dad wouldn't particularly enjoy being awoken at this point, but I knew that he was going to respond, that he was going to come and he would be able to take me back up to the seminary where I needed to go that night. It wasn't necessarily because he enjoyed it, but it was because he was my dad. I could trust in that relationship. As we think about it, as we go through our life, we have all sorts of relationships in our life. Many of them we grow to trust and rely upon very heavily. And there, many of them are family members, some are friends. But how many of us, if we introspect and if we look at our hearts and our souls, say that God is that most fundamental relationship that we come to trust and rely upon, especially when we enter into prayer? Because as we look at the readings in the gospel today, that's what it's asking us to consider. How is our relationship with God right now? How are we entering into prayer and growing in that trust and that relationship with our God? So first we start off with the book of Genesis. Here we have an encounter between Abraham and between the Lord, that the Lord is announcing to Abraham his exact plans for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, that he's telling them that he's going to destroy them because of the great grievances that they've given against the Lord and against his commandments. And so Abraham's aware that there might be innocent people in those cities. He's not talking about the entire collective city, but he's talking about the innocent that are amongst them. And so he's asking, Lord, what if there are 50 innocent people in the midst of those cities? Will you then destroy it? He's asking for mercy for those people, and it's rather incredible because Abraham's just a mere man, but he's asking God, the creator of heaven and earth, to spare that city. What does the Lord say? He responds favorably to that request. If there are 50, I will spare the city for the sake of those 50. But Abraham continues haggling. He goes down to 45. The Lord agrees. How about 40? The Lord agrees again. Maybe 30, 20, and then finally we arrive at just 10. And for the sake of those 10, the Lord agrees that he will not destroy the city if for the sake of those 10 innocent people. It's a beautiful moment because it gives us a witness to what Abraham is doing, that he's becoming an instrument of God's mercy, especially for those who are innocent in their midst that he's speaking to the Lord, he's petitioning on behalf of those who may not be able to, and he's asking for the Lord to spare the city for the sake of those individuals. Then we move on and we see St. Paul in his letter to the Colossians, and we're reminded of that beautiful reality of what God gives us in relationship to his Son. 
We know about Jesus and how he suffered, died, and rose again, and how that restores to us the kingdom of God. But more so, St. Paul wants to go into the details of how this works, that it puts to death all of the old, that we're buried in Christ and brought back to life again, that the old circumcision is gone, and all of a sudden we're circumcised in heart and soul, meaning we've been baptized, that we've been given hope, that we've been given a new world to live in, especially at the end of time in the kingdom of heaven. And so St. Paul's trying to remind the Colossians of what beauty has taken place, that God in his mercy has reached down to them, and that he wants to restore them to life, and life abundantly. Then finally we arrive at the Gospel of Luke, and here we have this encounter. First we start off with the simple conclusion that Jesus spent some time in prayer, and he finishes. And one of the disciples speaks up, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. We have to think what caused the disciples at this moment to ask the Lord for that, uh, that sort of instruction, that sort of example. And it's because they were likely watching what the Lord was doing. And so the Lord responds, Jesus gives them this prayer, Father who art in heaven, the beautiful prayer of the Our Father. It's not quite the same way as we're used to it, as we usually use the one from the Gospel of Matthew, but most of the same components are still there, that he's encouraging them to pray in this way. But then he goes to something more fundamental, because we could go on about the Our Father for some time, just breaking it apart and what it means. But he wants us to focus on one particular thing at this point, persistence. Because he goes into these two analogies, first of friendship, that he says, what if one of your friends shows up in the middle of the night asking for three loaves of bread? Out of friendship, are you going to respond? Likely, every one of us would say, well, yes, we would. But he's saying that even in the worst case circumstance where that friend is not responding because maybe they're groggy or maybe they just don't want to get up, because of that other person's persistence, they're still going to get what they asked for. Or even he moves into this analogy of fatherhood, that he asks, how many among you would hand your son a snake when he asks for a fish? How many of you would be complacent enough to just be inattentive enough to give him something that he didn't ask for? Or even a scorpion when he asked for an egg? Now, it's not the father being sort of controversial, or he's not the father just trying to be standoffish, but it's showing a father that might be a little bit inattentive. But the Lord is trying to show us something important, that no father would be that inattentive, that no father would hand his son or his daughter anything that they did not ask for, but would heed their every wish and their every desire. And he's using these analogies not to show what God is like, but to show how God exceeds and excels those examples of friendship and sonship, how in the world he is much better than those things. And so he's trying to show that if we persist, if we're in friendship with God, if we are in relationship as a son or a daughter to their father, that we can trust that God's going to do what we ask, and he's going to give us what we need. But as we break down all of these things, we have to consider just a few different points that to see exactly how the Lord is speaking to us and encouraging us on in our life of faith. First, the question. When you view God, whenever it's in prayer, even outside of prayer, who is God to you? Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to make God subjective and simply say that he is as you see he is, but there's something that's so much more essential 
that we see that God is extending his hand in relationship to us, not just as a friend, not just as a son or a daughter, as a father, but he's extending it to us as our God, and that he's extending his hand down to us, much like St. Paul in his letter to the Colossians reminds us that he's giving us his mercy, but we have to reciprocate that that we have to be willing to extend our hand back upward to the Father to see exactly how he wants to enter into that deeper relationship with each and every one of us. So the first question, who is God to us? Is he our Father? Is he our friend? Is he God who is near to us? But then we also go into the second question, how is your prayer life going right now? Because the disciples, they see Jesus and they're aware of how he's praying and they're captivated by the beauty of what's going on. That they see that proximity, that relationship with the Lord and they want that for themselves. Many of us have likely seen someone in prayer, someone in adoration or someone simply just at mass and we've likely been taken with just how close it seems they are. That they've got their head bowed, that they've got their hands folded and it seems like they're really synchronized with the Lord and we really want that for ourselves. But what are we doing to get there? Because the Lord, whenever he hears the disciples, the disciples ask him a question, teach us to pray. How many of us are willing and daring to ask that question? How many of us want to go deeper into our relationship with God and risk it all so that we can become closer to our Lord and to our God and our heart closer to his heart? Because that's the challenge. And then finally we arrive back at Genesis and I want to close with this thought because we see Abraham that he has the audacity to go before the Lord and to ask for his mercy, to ask for his forgiveness, and to ask for him to spare an entire city for the sake of ten people. Are we willing to approach our Lord and ask for his mercy with that same audacity, with that same boldness? Because likely we know that we're not innocent, that we have different ways that we fail and we fall short of what the gospel calls us to do. And yet nonetheless, the Lord continues to call us back. But do we ask for mercy? Do we go to confession? Do we approach the Lord and have the boldness to enter back into that relationship? Or even if we notice others that need that prayer, that need that intercession, are we willing to go before our Lord and our God and ask for that mercy and intercede on behalf of those that need it? Because the reality of what God is giving us here today is that reminder that prayer is important. Prayer is essential, but it's a privileged part of who we are as Christians. It's not just something that we do when we get to it, but it's rather something that should be a part of our every day, and I dare say, our every waking moment. That we should be willing to reciprocate with the Lord who extends his hand to us, so we extend our hand back to our Heavenly Father. It's all about prayer. It's all about speaking to the Lord and entering into that relationship, whether we're asking for mercy, asking for someone else, or simply just speaking for whatever we need. We simply have to ask. We have to enter into that relationship and trust that God, our Heavenly Father, will hear our petitions, much like my dad heard my petition and my phone call that night and came and took me where I needed to go. So my brothers and sisters, as we continue our lives of faith and as we seek the Lord more closely, let's pray and let's trust and rely upon the Lord with ever grateful hearts, knowing that he wants to be close to us, especially in the moments when we pray.